Blog Talk Radio. Celebrating the holy month with Muslims from around the world. We in the Nation of Islam greet you one and all, Ramadan Mubarak, to bring in and celebrate this new year in the holy month of Ramadan. I'm going to share with us an article from the Final Call newspaper. For these words can best what needs to be said than words of my own. On Sunday, April 3rd, I believe it was, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan blessed our hearts, our spirits, and our minds. And he delivered a timely message to us. All over the world, Muslims are fasting, praying, reflecting, and participating in acts of service as they observe the holy month of Ramadan. This is the month in which the Holy Quran was revealed to Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. Ramadan is a prescription from Allah wherein Muslims forsake things that are natural, such as food, water, and sexual relations between spouses during the daylight hours. Muslims also partake in reading the entirety of the Holy Quran, the Islamic scriptural text, across 30 days and refrain from quarreling and vulgar words and activities. The root word for Ramadan means to burn, scorch, or roast. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, the National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, expanded on the meaning and purpose of Ramadan on the Ramadan prayer line. Prayer line on its first day, the early morning of April 3rd, Minister Farrakhan started his 
annual Ramadan message by quoting from Surah 2, verse 183, or Ayat 183 of the Holy Quran. Quote, O you who believe, fasting is prescribed for you as it was prescribed for those before you so that you may guard against evil. In those words, Allah is giving us, giving us the purpose for fasting. He didn't say fasting is a prescription to lose weight. He did not say that we should Look at fasting as a discipline of the loss of weight, diminishing the real purpose of the fast. It is a prescription to a people who have been born in sin and shaped in iniquity to guard against evil. That is the purpose. Of fasting from the honorable minister Lord Farrakhan. The minister said that the weight that should be lost is the weight of sin that has burdened us and keeps us bound. And the fast is meant to draw us closer to Allah that we may find the discipline and the strength to cast off the unnecessary burden of sin. The Ramadan prayer line, which I call into every morning at about 4.55 to 5 o'clock in the morning, in that five-minute time frame. The Ramadan prayer line is the brainchild of Sister Nisa, Islam Muhammad, who wanted to make sure her family stayed connected during the Islamic holy month while her children were away at college. With its origins in 2006, it has since evolved into an annual call running about 30 consecutive days a year. The core team consists of Abdul Shahid Muhammad, who calls the Adan, the call to prayer. Memphis-based student minister Abdul Mutakir Muhammad, who opens the prayer line with welcoming remarks. My friend, Abdul Akbar Muhammad. International representative of the nation of Islam who shares Islamic history and Imam Abdul Jalil Muhammad provides the hadith of the day, which are sayings of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and Sister Nisa Islam who closes out call with a fast fact. 
Muslims from various communities are featured as guest speakers during the month. She says, we try to give the believers tools they need to start their fasting day off to a good start. Of the value and beauty of the prayer line is that it unites Muslims all over the world to share a quote from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan he says Ramadan Mubarak Allah grant all of us the best Ramadan of our practice of Islam to his God his Lord his savior. Minister Abdul Akbar Muhammad joined the line this year from Ghana, West Africa. He explained the international reach and impact of Minister Farrakhan's messages over the years. To quote him, thing that is so beautiful. People listen from all over the world, across Europe. Brother Hakim has people in Paris, Germany, Italy, and quite naturally, the United Kingdom, the UK. And every year, we've touched brothers and sisters in those areas. Student Minister Abdul Hakim Mohammed is the European Regional Representative of the Nation of Islam in London, England. Keep in mind now, brothers and sisters, England is a country that Minister Farrakhan is banished from going into because of the divine message that he has that transcends boundaries and reaches into the heart, mind, spirit, and the soul of the black man and woman. Almost 5,000 people listened live to the April 3rd message, according to the numbers provided by Sister Nisa Islam. She said some lines were at capacity. She predicted about 10,000 people would have listened to the replay by final call press time. Countries that listened to the message included the UK, Bermuda, Barbados, the Virgin Islands, and Canada. This year's message was also broadcast live on FinalCallRadio.com. That's right, FinalCallRadio.com. Last year, the Prayer Alliance host held a Ramadan relief fund. With donations they received, they were able to help several struggling Muslim families. To quote Sister Nisa, let me tell you what your money did. We paid rent for believers who were suffering. We helped others with bills. We bought a sister with children who was a single sister 
a much-needed car. We moved a sister with special needs across the country to a better living situation. We bought Eve gifts for the children of incarcerated Muslims. We did so much with a little. Sister Nisa shared with us on the prayer line. She urged listeners to give to help them be able to do more this year. May Allah bless our efforts to serve our people and to help them in their time of need. Excitement circulated on social media as Muslims prepared to hear the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's words. To quote Sister Renata Muhammad, we are very excited to hear your words of wisdom and guidance to carry us through the month of Ramadan and beyond. Allah for you. And may he bless us all with a successful fast. She said this in responding to Mr. Farrakhan's tweet announcing the day or rather day one of the prayer line. During his message, Minister Farrakhan to the seriousness of the time, saying that ever since his Savior's Day address, February 27th, titled The Swan Song, God's power over nature has been manifesting more and more. He also addressed the importance, peace, and the consequences of failure to follow a path of righteousness as exemplified by the prophets of God. Pardon me, dear family, for my sniffles. This is not an immune issue. It's a physical issue that happens this time every year. My nasal passages physically close up because of the change in barometric pressure. The weather is changing, so the barometric pressure in the air changes, and it has a direct effect on my nasal passages. So do forgive me as I sniffle my way through. Minister Farrakhan urge listeners to turn to Allah and seek refuge in Him. He also urged the believers to make the fast a great fast of nearness to God who gave life. Have a blessed Ramadan. Have a peaceful Ramadan. May this Ramadan bring us closer to Allah. May this Ramadan bring us closer to each other. He concluded with. The believers took to social media to thank Minister Farrakhan for his words. <laughs> Excuse me. 
Some were live tweeting while others shared quotes via Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> if you would write, like to read the entirety of the text of Minister Farrakhan's words to us, please, locally in your area and cities, get your copy of the Final Call newspaper. You find his words to us on page 20. And information on the Ramadan prayer line. With that said, I'm going to close out with some more words from the Honorable Minister Louis Farhan. Understanding Master Farhan. Come on, brother. The world is expecting him, but it doesn't know him. He comes in quiet. Since you don't know me, I'm coming without observation. It don't mean you can't see me. You just don't know what you're looking at. So you're looking but can't see. You cannot observe. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. See, and men of that kind of power, they can come just like we come. You don't know me. I don't know you. I can't look at you and see what's in your brain. You can't look at me and see what is in my brain. But if I demonstrate, you can say, ooh. Like sometimes you meet a man that's a master at his art, karate, and you walk up on him, he's so humble, you fear you could knock him down. Look, nigga, don't tell me. You jump all in his face and he acts cool and backs up. You say, I, I told you that nigga was scared of me. And then you see him in a demonstration. You say, oh, my God. I almost got myself killed. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. So you don't know anybody just by looking at them. You only know them by the demonstration that they make manifest. Do you hear me? So there was no sense for him to talk because talk would not make the people believe. He had to demonstrate who he was. And how would he demonstrate? Boy, he chose a difficult thing to do. He would come to the West and he would walk among the dead. And to show his power, he would raise one from the dead. Now that's very heavy. That's really something. Now you figure, look, you, you know somebody that you love is dead? Yeah, a lot of people. Suppose I said to you, you know somebody that you love is dead, I'd like to bring them back for you. You say, wait a minute. I mean, I love them, but I don't know whether I'm ready to see them. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Are you sure you can do that? Sure. Go ahead. Where did you bury them? And if you took me out to the cemetery and I said a few words and whatnot, and all of a sudden they start coming up out that casket, either you drop dead from fright, or you would know that this man got some extraordinary power 
because he can do something that no man had ever done before. Now, Master Farad Muhammad didn't do that. But he did something equal to and superior to that. To show forth his power, I just want you to see something. He takes an unlearned man who only went, completed the fourth grade of school. On welfare. He meets him in Detroit. And he teaches this man for three years and four months. That's all. And he says, well, in other words, you got it now. Go ahead. I'm with you, but I have my own work I have to do. And I will meet you at another time. And he leaves. Nobody knows where he went. He's just gone. But he leaves a witness of himself behind. And then everybody jumps on his man. And they rise up against him, claiming that he's a false man. They bring him to prison. They chase him. They try to kill him. But after 12 years, he's out. And he begins to grow right in America. The government is aware of him. They bring him before the courts and say, Elijah, you are trying to make your people Muslims. He said, but your people only love sports and play and fornication and rolling of the dice and drinking hard liquor. And Elijah Muhammad looked at him and said, it has been that way. He said, trying to make your people Muslims, Elijah, is like putting pants on an elephant. He said, well, I got one pant leg on already. Now look, the judge know who he's looking at. He lets him go. Let him go and work among you. Because he's made you so deaf, dumb, and blind, he don't think that any of you will listen to Elijah because Elijah has an impediment of speech. He doesn't speak necessarily a very uh, 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 articulate language, so he laughs at him and thinks you won't hear him. So Elijah goes to work right in your midst, preaches the doom of the government, and then opens up the mind of the white man and goes right to the root of his brain and says, your father made you a devil. Your father was Yakub, one of our black scientists. Now wait a minute. All y'all say, oh, hell, that's mythology. Mythology, my foot. Nigga, the white man is here. How the hell did he get here? He's not a myth. And what produced him is not a myth. And he's a baby on the earth. Where did he come from? If you are asleep and the white man is awake, when did you go to sleep? And if a white man is ruling you asleep, you can't judge him as wise. He's not 
wise ruling you asleep, he'll only be considered great if he can rule you after you are awake. And there's no awakened black man on earth that the white man can rule. You dead. You got eyes, but you can't see. Ears can't hear. Tongue can't speak. You on a dead level. You live like the lower animals, though you were made to be in the likeness of God Himself. So He raised one man up from the dead, Elijah. Elijah means God is with us. Born to us, child is born. The name Emmanuel means God is present. How do you know God is present? Because the blind can see, the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the lame walk, and the dead are being raised to life. Niggers who are afraid of everything and everybody stand up boldly and talk to the enemy and back the enemy up. That's what Malcolm was. He was a convict that Elijah touched. And you saw the presence of God in Malcolm X. Malcolm was different than Martin. Martin would want to get along with white folk. Malcolm kicked their backside, brother. White people feared Malcolm. They pushed and promoted Dr. King, but they condemned Malcolm until Dr. King got some more strength and started opposing the government. Then they condemned them both. Now this man, Farad Muhammad, that we've never seen, but his guidance was in Elijah Muhammad. And Elijah put the guidance all out there in the public. Now you find yourself thinking thoughts that black men never thought before. It is not an accident. You don't just come up with thinking dead people do not think. So if you're thinking today, somebody caused you to think. Somebody acted on you or your mother. The books you're reading today have been affected by Elijah Muhammad. All your scholarship, you black nationalists that don't want to recognize Elijah Muhammad, you're not quoting all out of Garvey. You're quoting Garvey. You're quoting Joe Noble Juali, but you heavily copying Elijah Muhammad. But you don't use his name, you use Malcolm's name. But when you use Malcolm, you're saying Elijah, because Malcolm was Elijah. Before Elijah Muhammad left us, he began talking very strong. 
always talking strong, but this time he was talking strongly about himself. He said, you've been looking for that Jesus. He said, I am he. I'm telling you what he said. He said, you've been praying for that one. He said, I am he. Before, he would never talk like this. But in the end, he was telling you and me who he was and said to us, very straightforward. He said, I, in the name of Allah, I will bring down the judgment on this people. I, a black man born among you, will judge the white man. Listen now, man, I... I don't really give a damn whether you believe or disbelieve. But I got a job to do and I'm going to do my job. And my job is to make his great commission known, brother. You don't even realize how great a people you are that the Messiah that the whole world is looking for would come right up out of you. He would be a man raised from the dead, not out of the cemetery. You are the dead and one would come up from among you that would be anointed to crush the wicked. Anointed by that great Mahdi, Master Farad Muhammad, to crush the wicked. A man with power to kill. A man with power to heal. Not a spook, not a spirit. This is why I would never change the back page of the paper that Elijah Muhammad said on point number 12 of what the Muslims we believe. And lastly, he said, we believe that Allah came in the person of Master W. Farad Muhammad, the long-awaited Messiah of the Christians, Mahdi of the Muslims. Why don't you change that fire car for what? If a man comes to set down the government of America, set down the wicked, you can't say that's man's work, that's the work of the omnipotent God. And if it came in a man, then he's correct when he said Allah came in the person of a man. Because the power that Master Farad Muhammad used to raise the dead is the power of Allah. And the power that he will use to make a man worthy to destroy the enemy is the power of Allah. Now why, Farrakhan, then, do I talk so bold? Why do I have the confidence that no weapon formed against me will prosper? None whatsoever. Some devil put it in the paper, Farrakhan looking for police protection. The day that Farrakhan called for police to protect him, you better know he's a hypocrite. The hell do I need a police to protect me? I come and go as I please. And I am protected by a power Bigger than police. Can't you tell? Don't you realize? 
don't you realize that something wonderful has happened among you? You didn't realize it when Elijah Muhammad was physically among you, but he's dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. You are just like the silly Christian who saw Jesus on the cross and said, Oh, it's over. It's finished. Then in the day of Pentecost, he shows up. And his disciples are preaching a resurrected Christ. That Bible is not a book of mythology. It's real. But it ain't real 2,000 years ago. It's real right now, 1986. That book is real, brother and sister. The man that the book is talking about is a man born from among you. A Jesus was in our midst. Opening the eyes of the blind, making the deaf hear the dumb speak, the lame walk, and raising up a dead nation. And the same government that conspired against King conspired against the Jesus. But look how great the Jesus is. See, when they think they get rid of you, God raises up a witness for you. Come on, brother. Go ahead. I am Elijah Muhammad's witness. Since I am not my own teacher, didn't teach myself, I was taught by him. Then Master Farad Muhammad was born and has now the key of the power over the universe in his hand. He raises Elijah, just like the book says. He becomes the Christ, and he gives him the key to kill, destroy the wicked. Because the wicked are not destroyed by the omnipotent God. He gives it over into the hand of his servant to do the judgment. And to prove that that man is alive and well. Eight years ago, I started to rebuild the nation of Islam with nothing, no money. They say I had 10,000 followers. There was no followers. Nobody but me, one, and Brother Jabril. And the first one that believed in me and was willing to help me was Brother Wahid. He didn't know what was going on. He saw me come out of a room with a new light. And he said, whatever it is, Brother Farrakhan, I'm with you. He didn't know what it was, but immediately I started teaching. And he was a witness that when I woke up, I started talking about the nation of Islam and people began listening. I had my sight again. I had my focus again. I had my purpose again. I woke up in my right mind. Huh? Look now. I'm telling you about your brother. A man that you are looking at and don't know what you're witnessing. You are witnessing Elijah's triumph right in me. I will not be defeated. They haven't got no brains in the world big enough to defeat Louis Farrakhan and what I represent. Look, 
not that I can't be defeated, but what I represent can't be defeated. And as long as I stay on the foundation that my father gave me, I cannot be uprooted. Yeah? I started with just a handful. My enemies were powerful. The government, Warwick Dean, his followers, they laughed. A nation can't be rebuilt. Many of the old followers that had been trained by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, they would come and look at me, but they wouldn't help me. They would come around for a minute, watch, and when they didn't see me divvying up the money with them, they said, we'll be with you, Farrakhan, just divvy up the money. I said, look, this ain't no gang of damn thieves. Robbing a bank so we got to divvy up money. You didn't ask Elijah Muhammad to divvy up no money. Divvy up what? You didn't bring nothing to the pot. This is to build a nation. You get your share. But we ain't dividing nothing. This ain't no spoils. We're not robbing the people. They come and they go back. Say, that nigga ain't going to last two years. That nigga ain't going to last three. That nigga really gone now. When I mentioned in 1981 that Elijah Muhammad was alive, I knew I was taking a chance. Because I know you don't believe when you have a funeral and a body. How in the hell can a man come behind that and say that Elijah Muhammad is alive physically? His son said, I washed his body. I know he's dead. I say, I know you think he's dead. He's alive. <laughs> Have you seen him, Farquhar? No, I ain't seen him. Have you heard from him? No, not until recently. <laughs> but, no, I got to tell you. In the month of September, I heard from him. Take it or leave it alone. I really don't care nothing about what you think. I'll tell you, you can believe or disbelieve. You ain't worthy to lie to. I don't have to lie to you to make you my brother. If I wanted to lie to you, the truth is so much easier if I said he's dead and gone, but I'm just standing in for him. That's believable. You can accept that. That's rational. But when a man who is rational says something that is completely irrational, that he's not dead, he's a liar. And he and the Mahdi are together and he has been empowered and he backs me up. He and the Mahdi. You can't defeat him. I'm in the world to crush the wicked. He'll make me able to destroy them. That's what the Jews know about my future that you don't know. That's why they say, stop him now. Don't let the nigga get where he's going because he'll kill us all. 
Not me, my father. But I damn sure am anxious to help him. Four years working hard, traveling like a man crazy, like Paul. And everywhere I go, there's a fire there. A man can't build a nation and organize people traveling. And for eight years, I've been on a, a, like a whirlwind. And only Allah himself and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has kept the Muslims kept you because certainly my hand was not personally present so if you didn't have the faith you couldn't continue but I'll be home in a minute I got a few more ticks to make you just watch You won't be able to mock Master Farad Muhammad. You won't be able to mock the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. You that didn't know him, all of a sudden you hear about his student. Now remember, this is a student. This is not the teacher. This is the student. He don't know what his teacher knows. But all of a sudden, you hear the student. Maybe you, you came out, here some meetings, but the student started becoming prominent when you saw him with Jesse Jackson. Not that I wasn't prominent before that, because I was drawing more people than Jesse before the world knew me. And that's a fact. That's not vanity. That's just a fact. When Jesse was running for president... I wanted to help the brother. Not help myself. Help the brother. I can't help it if I'm baptized in the Spirit of God. That's something that eloquence don't give you. Eloquence can't give you God's Spirit. Did you hear me? There have been many eloquent men, but they don't have the Spirit of God. I happen to possess both in abundance by God's grace. I'm full of God's Spirit. You try to hide from me, I'll get you. You come in here with all kind of crazy thoughts in your mind. Don't make no difference how you come. Allah blesses me with His Spirit to touch you. It's not just eloquence, but it's something communicated from the depths of me to the depths of you. And it ain't it's just a mind turn on because sometimes you may not understand all that I'm saying, but you go out and you know there's something more to that man than meets the eye. What is there to this man? Just your brother, but what is there to the man? He's a witness. He's a witness of Jehovah. He's a witness of the Christ. He's a witness of the Messiah. He's a witness of the Mahdi. This is why no matter what they do against me, look at them and look at me. 
Never has a black man in the history of America sustained such a withering attack as I have sustained over a two-year period. They have never took this long to knock out a black man. That's right. Come on with it. But we dancing with them. Go ahead. We dancing with them. Talk about let's dance. Let's dance, white folks. Let's dance, Jews. Let's dance, Negroes. You're not going to knock me out. Come on, brother. Go ahead. Every time they come up with a blistering attack, they say, we know he's out now. Come on, brother. That's because the camera's focused on them. In the next minute, you see him wilting in the corner. <laughs> under the rain of clothes. White folk feel the heat of what's coming out of my mouth. They call me Farrah Cannon. Have a cartoon of me with a big cannon for a mouth. Have one eye closed and the barrel smoking, and I got somebody else in my sight. White folk know what they're talking about, brother. They're withering under the heat that's in my mouth. And that's what your Bible teaches you. You should look for a man with a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And I am that man. ain't no jump up and holler session. My father made me like this. And his God made me in a way that I can't let this enemy go. I'm born into the world to fight him to the death. Sorry about that, folks. I'm born for this. And I get pleasure doing this. This is my gig. This is my job. Look at how God works. Eight years ago when I started, there were about 10 or 15 saying that they was the leader of the nation. How many are left? Come on. Come on. Talk back to me. How many are left? Ain't none of them left. They're gone. I'm remaining. Why? Because I'm the legitimate one. It happened the same way with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. When he was left alone by his teacher, Master Farad Muhammad, many rose up to say they were the one. But in the end, was nobody left but Elijah. And in the end again, ain't nobody left but Elijah. Yeah. Laughed at me. Scorned me. Mocked me. But I won't laugh. Not at you. Who laughed at me. No, I have too much respect 
to laugh at people in their misery. Because Allah is bringing his chastisement down now on those that oppose me. Why the dean is over there, poor fella, I don't think he's doing too good. I really don't think he's doing too good. Not health-wise, not spiritual-wise. Brilliant man didn't recognize Master Farad Muhammad, didn't recognize his father. And even though he says that he has the true God and the true faith, prove it. You can't prove it by the works. But if I came from nothing, with no followers, and when I first started speaking, some of you might have been there, at IPE, the first day I declared that I was going to stand for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, there were about 200 people there that day. And when I went out to speak, sometimes there'd be a hundred. Yeah. Sometimes there'd be two hundred. I had nobody around me. <laughs> my son and my nephew was my security here in Chicago. And I went to New York. My cousin, a female, and her husband would be my security. But I was preaching. All of a sudden, people started coming. I don't think we did the best by the people. We did the best that we could, but we didn't do the best. Because the only way you could do the best is to be on the scene, giving the guidance that is absolutely necessary to nurture people into the faith that they have accepted. But when a man is running all over the planet, I couldn't do that part. But thanks to Allah, for those of you who understand, and for those of you who stood, with me. And now when you see people coming, you don't measure my friends and followers by what's in the final call building. That would be a serious mistake. You know why? Because everywhere that I've gone, you have never heard me in a speech invite people to come to the final call building. Go back. My major speeches. You don't hear me going to church and say to the church, come to the final call building. I don't go to Reverend Barrett's church and tell Reverend Barrett's followers, come to the final call building. I don't go to Jesse Jackson's followers and tell his followers, come to the final call building. I appreciate the fact that you invite me to your church. That's all I need is an invitation. Because once I get the invitation, I know that what I say in your church will raise the level of consciousness of you, pastor, and your people. My aim is not to take the people from you, pastor. I want you to be a better pastor. But you can't be a better pastor until you have a better understanding. If God has given it to me through the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, I want to share it with you that you may share it with the people. And so people are coming up. And whether you know it or not, they have a like mind. Go check it out. Go in the street. You go in the church. A man and woman be there singing, shouting. You think that they got the Holy Ghost. They do. 
And a Muslim sit there talking with him saying, oh, man, it's a shame. These people just jumping and frogging at the mouth. Then when they stop jumping and sit down and talk with you, you say, wow, we think alike. How you thinking alike? How did you in the final call building think alike with people that have never been inside? It's because the same teaching that is motivating you is also in the street. It's also in the church. That's why preachers now come up and defend me. Because they've been exposed to the word of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And they're growing up in the word. And we're beginning to think with one mind. And that's what got the Jews upset. Because they can't break that unity. I watched them on Channel 5 this morning. Did any of you see it? Jewish program. And they had Clarence Page on. Poor fella. Just need a good spanking. (laughs) Jews want to know, what is it with this Farrakhan guy? But now... They want to go deeper than what they went before. They want to understand the phenomenon. Because they've never been able to attack a black leader and the people stand until today. So they want to know what's different. It's time. It's time. And so, beloved, in my conclusion, this man, Master Farad Muhammad, that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us about? I mean, he's a powerful man. I've never seen him in my life. But I know he's powerful because he made the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I've watched my leader. And it's something to see 10 years after he's gone, I'm just learning things that he knew so profoundly that I can say like John or like one of those disciples, I am not worthy to unlace his shoes. I am not worthy to be the soul of his shoe. I'm speaking of Elijah Muhammad. Man is just too great. And God has made him such, and by his grace, he's making me in the presence of you. And while you're looking at your brother, he's making your brother. He's making me a new sharp threshing instrument to beat up his enemies. I'm just telling you that. Right. So London won't let me in. But they may find a demonstration in London so large that they'll have to let me in. In a couple of weeks, by the grace of God, I will leave to go around this world talking to Muslims and Christians. Black Brown, red, yellow, and even some white. 
the message that I will give to the Islamic world, I guarantee you, by the grace of Allah, when I come back to America, if Allah pleases that I get back, the Muslim world will be solidly behind me. Listen now, listen now. Now I, I want you to think. It's something that the God has put in my head and in my heart that's going to turn the whole Muslim world on. And this is fear. Because when the Muslims are turned on, the whole world better look out. Because those few Muslims that are turned on got the world shook up. The Fedayeen. The Mujahideen. The Hezbollah. The people that don't care nothing about living. If there's a tyrant, they will strap bombs to themselves and kill up hundreds and die and know they're going to paradise. You say it's fanatic? I don't care what you call it. It'll bring about a change. When you love life to the point where you will allow yourself to be a slave, then you are not perfect. Of life. But when you love freedom and recognize that only in freedom is there life, only in justice is there life, only in equity is there life, and any life without freedom, justice, and equality is no life at all. Therefore, life must be spent in order to get those three essentials. When a man or a woman gets to the point where you're ready to die for what you believe in, then you are ready to get what you want. I say it again, when you're ready to die for what you believe in, you're ready now to get what you want. You want life, but you're too damn cowardly to get it. Talking to you men. Because a coward won't get a damn thing in this world. We want to be big men. But you don't want to challenge the big man. You get satisfied with just enough to feed yourself and your family. So you can get a car and a house and a yacht and a baby plane. And tell people, yeah, I'm a prominent black businessman. That's the problem with Johnson Publishing. That's the problem with Johnson Products. That's the problem with Motown. That's the problem with black business. You get enough to be comfortable, and if you go anymore, they threaten you, so you get satisfied because there's no army there. Just give me a few days. I'll have the army in place. So if you want to become a billionaire, go on and make the money. We'll back you up. You can't do business without an army. You gotta have men that will keep your trucks rolling when they say strike. You gotta have an army that will say no, it ain't gonna happen. Come on, brother. And be ready to squeeze off several rounds to make sure. Yes, you're not going nowhere all pumped out, brother. With a stringed up head. 
Come on, brother minister. Now, some out mine, cocaine, die like a man, punk. Die like a man. Don't die with a damn needle in your arm. Die like a man fighting for that baby in your arm. Die like a man. Martin Luther King said, there's some things in life worth dying. If you don't have anything worth dying for, it's really not worth living for. I think freedom is worth dying for. Evidently, I'm not wrong because all of the nations of the earth die. For freedom's sake. And right now in South Africa, little children are dying for freedom's sake. When they followed Martin Luther King and they were shot and raped in prisons, they suffered for freedom's sake. When Dr. King marched, he marched for freedom's sake. Not a freedom for black people to oppress other human beings, but a freedom that we could enjoy what God has given us as our birthright. Freedom. Martin Luther King is dead, but he's not dead. He's alive. Because the principles of justice that he struggled for you cannot kill with a bullet Martin Luther King lives in those whom his principles that he lived for live in so we don't have a holiday to celebrate the life of a man that is gone we celebrate the life of a man that is present is he present? Yes, sir. He's present if we have caught the principle. Dear Dr. King, you will see black and white together, but not in this world's life. That you will see after the power of this world is destroyed. Because this world's life is geared to make black inferior and make white superior. And this world's life has to be destroyed in order that the kingdom of God may come in where color will not be something that men or women think about. Unfortunately, in this world, we got to think about color. Some young white Muslim in London told Brother Akbar, I like Farrakhan's tape at Madison Square Garden. Eighty percent of it I can agree with. It seemed like to me he's preaching to black people, a, a form of black nationalism. And that I can't go along with. 
I told Brother Akbar, tell him, is not Islam for the oppressed? Is not Prophet Muhammad a man that fought for the oppressed? Are black people oppressed? And what oppresses them? Are they not oppressed by a wicked mentality that makes them believe that they are inferior? And how can I call them to God unless I call them and make them understand that God did not make a mistake in making them black? So don't talk to me about what Islam is. I think I know what it is a little better than you. Right, boy? Don't tell me that Islam has no color in it. That's a lie. The God of Islam is he who created color. How come there's no color in it? But true Islam does not measure anybody by their color. But that is not the reality. The reality in Islam is that people are measured by their color. And that's unfortunate, but Master Farad Muhammad will end all of that. And if you listen to my take from Madison Square Garden, I begin the end of that myself. With white Muslims sitting on the rostrum behind me. I made them happy in the beginning. <laughs> and when Muhammad said there's no superiority of the white over the black or the Arab over the non-Arab, you could see them all saying, yeah. <laughs> That's because they know they are superior. They're in a superior position over black people. So you can talk about the non-superiority, but they don't care what you talk. The reality is white Arabs rule. White Christians rule. White Jews rule. Black Jews subordinate to white Jews. Black Christians subordinate to white Christians. Black Muslims subordinate to white Muslims. That's the truth. You ain't in no position. Big shot niggas. Cardinal so and so. They let him in. But he's kissing the papa. He won't hardly be poor. Poor black Jews from Ethiopia. They're in Israel catching hell. White rabbis don't want to recognize them unless they allow the white rabbi to baptize them. And that white rabbi was not a Jew when they were Jews. That white rabbi just became a Jew yesterday. He's not a Semite. He's a European convert. Racist. Some of these white Muslims are saying that when the stone, the Kaaba, fell from heaven, it fell from heaven and it was white in color. It really wasn't black. But when they put it in the corner and the people would come and kiss it. And they would 
come there thinking they would get rid of their sins. Then they would pour their sins on the stone so the stone turned black with the sins of the people. Yeah, they teach this. Racist. Pigs. In the name of God. Boy, but if I meet them, and I'm going looking for them. Because see, Master Farad Muhammad and Ahmed Elijah Muhammad gave me a message for them that they cannot defeat. Black man, you're the original creation of God. Your time has come. The Messiah has come up out of you. And I am a sign of him. A student. And they're scared of the student. What will they do if they see the teacher again? And now the student is here. The student is here. And some of those that I teach are out there tearing his kingdom up. What it was telling me is, boy, you don't have to go too much anymore. Just cut loose the people that's been sitting around you all these years and let them do what you do. And you get on and do the work that you are supposed to do now, and that work is making a nation. So, beloved, I thank you very much for listening. And I pray, Allah, as I leave you, that you will honor Dr. King in the best way possible. That is to make a careful study of the man, his philosophy and teachings, his strengths, and draw from that. Sit down with your children and talk to them about him. Tell them the truth. Don't talk to them about just that I have a dream. Tell them how he was hated. Tell them how he walked in Cicero and was stoned. Tell them how the mayor didn't want him here. Mayor Daly. Tell them how the preachers turned against him. And tell them that the same thing they did to Martin Luther King is what they did to Jesus. And what they did to Malcolm. What they did to the Elijah Muhammad. And now what they're doing to Louis Farrakhan. And maybe 10 or 15 years from now, they'll be saying, Yes, Farrakhan, he's your nice man. And they'll forget all about these days that they was giving me hell and plotting against my life. Tell your children the truth. And then don't leave it there. You be what you admire in Dr. King. He's an example of what you are. You are already great. You just have to manifest. Submit to God. And let him polish you up. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad was a piece of junk from the pile. He's shining. You can shine. I'm a piece of junk from the pile. He's working on me. I'm beginning to shine. Got a lot more stuff to pull off, but... 
I'll be shining one of these days real bright if it pleases Allah if I keep the polish on and let the man with the rag do the job and don't tell him I'm shining enough cool it man I know Elijah Muhammad is the marksman and I'm just a man holding the rifle I hope Allah will never allow me to be stupid enough to say okay Elijah cool it I can handle this then you really see that the boy is nothing but a vessel. And as long as God uses him as a vessel, he's something of value. But if God ever leads me, you see a fool almost in the twinkling of an eye. So, beloved, don't think too much of yourself. Submit to God and let him use you for the glory of himself and for the elevation of our people. May Allah bless you all. Thank you for listening. Assalamu alaikum. All praise is due to Allah. Keep the faith.